Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Last last week, I <clears throat> started to talk a little bit about. Um, I talked a lot uh, about habits, um, particularly that uh, when I'm learning from this very interesting book called *The Power of Habit* by um, Charles Duhigg. Why we do what we do in life, in business, a lot of how the brain works and how habits can be strengthened, healthy habits can be strengthened, and um, habits that uh, don't serve us can be replaced. That change is possible, uh, but uh, it takes a fair amount of awareness to change a habit. As we said last, uh, last time, we are creatures of habit, And one can think of all of our Dharma practice as learning to develop skillful habits. The Buddha talked about cultivating wholesome habits and uh, weakening unwholesome habits. And that as you are more and more um, living, abiding in wholesome habits, that the mind naturally relaxes, is clear, uh, is open, expansive, and creates the conditions for the highest kind of freedom. And as we've said many times here, mindfulness happens to be the, the most potent habit that he recommended to lead to freedom. Uh, but the more we can uh, understand how habits are um, operate and how they, they work in us, the more we have a possibility of change. I'm curious, um, last time, I just kind of went over the material and then at the very end suggested that you think about some habit that you might want to either change or strengthen if it's a skillful habit. <clears throat> Did anybody work with that? I'm curious. Uh, oh yes, all right. Anything that uh, that you want to share that's relevant, useful, or that you noticed? Uh, not only if it was a transformative week for you, but uh, any changes and or challenges that uh, that you encountered. Just any kind of observations. We can just take a few moments to see what your experience is as you explore this. Anybody? Okay. Um, here. Oh, good. Oh, thanks. Jackie. Yeah. A habit I have that I would like to um, inhibit is often just blurting out what comes to mind, not being mindful and thinking about the effect it will have. Uh-huh. So my um, intention was to work with that all week. And I was quite successful for about three days, and then I totally forgot it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you were successful for three days. What, what was going on for those three days? I was uh, able to self-inhibit and not just blurt out and perhaps an opposing opinion if somebody was giving me something, or uh, able to be mindful if I was going to make a disagreement, with, uh, especially at work, perhaps a suggestion of something that I didn't agree with or a different method was desirable to have Mm -hmm. something happen. I'm a nurse. Mm -hmm. But after about three days, I totally lost it. I just went Mm -hmm. back into uh, being me. And my initial, you know, response without stopping, being aware, thinking of the perhaps a more gentle way to express my opinion or something not quite so strong. Mm -hmm. So in those first few days, you were consciously trying to yeah, Keep I would wake up mind. in the morning and say, remember, you're going to be mindful mm-hmm. of what you're saying and, you know, don't just 
blurt out right away. Be mindful. Mm-hmm. Think mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you did, were you when you were successful? Say those first few days, did you track how it felt? When felt you wonderful. Felt wonderful. every time I remembered. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. And then after three days, by the fourth day, what you just I was didn't asleep. have this... I forgot about it. I didn't think about it when I got up. Okay, today you're going to be mindful. Uh-huh. I wasn't. Okay, so it wasn't in your mind in to that think about. In specific way. I mean, to uh-huh. be mindful in my speech uh-huh. and so, automatic reaction. So one thing that had happened the first few days that didn't after, you had been setting an intention to be, to be present, and then you forgot about the intention, and then that... Uh, it started to exactly. To Even though I meditated every morning, uh-huh. you know, but yeah, I still forgot. Okay, today my intention is to be mindful uh-huh. in my responses and in my initial speech, mm-hmm. especially with stuff around work where it's a pretty fast and intense pace because I'm in ICU, mm-hmm. and uh, we just started using computer system. We're doing all computer documentation, so it's been stressful and. No time, because we're always really busy before mm-hmm. right now. So stress yeah. has an effect on how present and mindful you are. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Any, anybody else all the way here in the back? If, if, why don't you come on up for the, for the mic? I have John. Um, so I was working, I'm working, I was just aware last week of... Um, uh, the idea of being short with people. Um, and so it was uh, related to, I thought it was related to tiredness. So I said, well, I'm just going to be aware this week of when I'm short, what's going on at that time. And I realized that it wasn't just tiredness. It was also um, if, I'm, if I'm rushing to do something or if I'm rushing to, to uh, if I've got to get something done, then, and somebody comes up and wants a chat, I'm like, very short, I'm short. So I really, <clears throat> I, didn't want to, I didn't want to change anything. I just wanted to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. So um, I was more aware of it this week. Excellent, okay. And that, what you're, you're pointing to something really, um, uh, really helpful, what, what he makes the point, when you're wanting to change a behavior, um, don't put pressure on yourself to do it all at once. But just as you're ex- uh, explaining, to be very curious and investigate and learn as much as you can about how it all works. That's, that is the first key step, to just be interested and aware and learn uh, because if you set yourself up, you know, gosh, I hope this works. I hope I can, you know, succeed. I hope I can pass the the the, the test. Then it gets um, kind of discouraging, especially since these habits are practiced so much that um, we go on automatic pilot. So that's a f- very important first step. Great. Any anybody else before we go? El Keith. More of a question that I hope you'll talk to tonight a little bit about. Um, so um, one of the, the, the piece that I was looking at um, is related to uh, when the frustrations of life happen, as they happen. Um, there are times when I will very much tighten around, that's got to be fixed, and it's very much a you know, it has to be fixed, I need to figure it out, not, uh, okay. So I can notice that, but then trying to, as you were talking about last time, okay, notice it, be aware of what the behavior that you do, so tightening around having to fix it, and then try to give yourself, you know, understand what the reward is that in the current habit you have and replace that with a different reward. And I was actually a bit stumped on what to replace that with because I'm aware of it and I'm saying, well, I'm still sitting here frustrated. I mean, that doesn't feel so exciting or so, you know, positive. Okay, no, I haven't gone to the next step, but, you know, I've got to fix it and really sort of... Um, so you're, so the habit is that tendency to want to fix. 
Is that is that what you're saying, or the habit would be? What's the yeah? What's the routine that that happens? That um, it's more. Re, I would say it's seeing small reactions as opposed me reacting to something as opposed to letting it roll off my back. Uh, Not like some major life changing problem, but you know whatever it is that uh, you know happens in your daily life that. There are times when I just sort of latch on. Oh, it's not supposed to be that way. Um, uh, getting reactive, and, and you get. I get yeah, reactive, yeah. and so I, I describe it as a tightening around. It has to be this way, uh-huh. um, okay. which never feels doesn't do anybody any good, including myself. Yeah. Um, so wishing things were different than the way they are. That's fair. Um, this is a big one. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm not saying that I could fix this or, or, or change that habit, but what I was trouble seeing at all was, okay, what is the positive reward that I can... So at, at the moment, there's a, you know, well, if I can control this, then I won't, you know, this is a sense of not... I mean, sense of need need for control. Okay, sense and that's of sort of the control. reward at the moment, as I would describe it. Well, what is the what is the reward? Because uh, you can't control it. So, what is the reward that you do get by your reacting? Um, in some sense, if you do something about something, having having latched onto it. Being the key comment, then you don't have to. Um, to be honest, you don't have to feel the uncomfortableness that things are different. And again, I'm, I'm talking about minor. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't like some major issue, but the, the things are different, as you said, than the way you'd like them to be. Well, and you don't have to actually have to feel that because you're focused on doing something about it. And do you are you able to do something about it and 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 then come to some uh some inner ease or peace? Not necessarily. <laughs> so so what would the reward be when you're not able to that keeps that would keep perpetuating that frustrated reaction? So, again, the way, the way I've looked at it is that there is a, um, there is an unease or a discomfort that yeah. you have to sit with. Um, and so... As I describe it, if you do something about it, then you don't have to look at that. So the reaction is some attempt to release some of that dis-ease, that discomfort of not being able to do something. Right. right? And it's, so it's, it's a, it, it's but counter, it doesn't it's counterproductive because yeah. I can see that because you tighten around something. Right. So, but um, well, maybe we'll just get into this a little bit. But uh, as you're saying it, I, I'm. The reward, as you're explain, as you're describing it, is the the wish that you could release the tension, but often you don't. But still, there's something, there's some reward that you're, as you're saying, maybe just the idea that if you can react, there's some lessening of the tension, right? So. It's not so much changing the reward, it's changing the behavior so that you can get the reward that you're actually looking for, which is a lessening of that frustration and, and tension. Um, so let's just put it, put it down for now. And uh, I'll share a little that I'm, I'm learning about this. And I'm certainly, you know, I'm not an expert. I'm just kind of a student, on, uh, but a very interested student in, 
in this, and um, maybe it'll will come back to your to your situation. <clears throat> so first, just to um, a couple of principles to reiterate from last time is that <clears throat> the the habit loop is there's a cue. And this, as was pointed out last week, this can be for healthy habits as well as unhealthy habits. There is a cue that triggers a particular behavior or routine. The cue triggers the routine, and there's a reward that one gets at the end of that routine that perpetuates the habit. And it can be a healthy routine. For instance, anybody have a healthy habit here? There must be somebody who has a healthy habit here somewhere. Okay. What's, a, what's one healthy habit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you got it. Working out with weights three times a week? Okay, and what's your cue that, um, that says, oh, I'm going to do that? Okay, so she says that, uh, I'll just repeat it for, for the taping, that she knows she's going to do it three times a week and she keeps track and she's, if she's only do it, done it twice, then she'll, uh, then she'll do it a third time. Anything that reminds you about the working out in your schedule? Well, I, I tend to do it, uh, hmm. Well, some of it is just feedback from my body because if I, it's been more than two or three days... Uh-huh. I start to notice that I feel I don't feel as good. Okay, so that's one cue, and which which they talk about, particularly as people are, they they give the example of exercising or eating healthy or various kinds. And one cue for exercising is you start to feel uh, you miss that good feeling, whether it's endorphins or a sense of accomplishment or you know, just something that you've promised yourself, and if you start to f- notice that you're not feeling that, that can be a cue that says, oh, I want to work out, or I need to work out. And then you work out, that's the routine, and the reward is that whatever that feeling is, is it one of feeling more alive, or is it one of doing uh, doing what you set out to do? What would what would you say is your reward at the end of it? Uh, it's it's feeling um, yes, it's feeling more vibrant, more alive, um, feeling stronger. Uh, it took me a long time. I mean, it took me over a year to finally get myself to work out three times a week. I would work out three times a week, and then I'd fall off. I'd work out two. I'd work out one. I'd work out yeah. You know, and it was it was really learning, you know, figuring out what was keeping me from doing it, and then um, sort of another re- reward that that happened. I mean, there are these sort of unanticipated rewards that happened. Was that I started to be when I worked out three times a week, I was able to go up to higher weights, whereas when I only worked when uh-huh. it wasn't consistent, I stayed at the same weights uh-huh. for. Um, a long time. So that's another reward, a sense of accomplishment and progress, and oh, this feels really good. I'm, I'm getting somewhere, right? Right. Saying that. And S- yeah. I was just going to say one other thing. And then it was also f- being able to intervene in sort of um, the ways I would tell myself I didn't have time to go. I mean, I realized I'd only worked out, and you know, I'd worked out two days a week, and I had to work out on Saturday to make it three, uh-huh. and um, making it more important than other things. Right, so prioritizing it and having a clear commitment to yourself that you were going to do that. Okay, and these are all elements that are spoken of in, in, uh, in the research. So I'll just, just go on. So there's a cue, 
um, a, a trigger of, for instance, oh yeah, my body misses that feeling. And then the reward is, I'm going to get that good feeling or that sense of accomplishment or that promise to myself. And that gives rise to the routine that happens in between. And as I mentioned last week, while you're doing the routine, um, you know, maybe working out, I don't know how, how present you are for it, but often in our habits, particularly the, the ones that don't serve us, the mind, the brain shuts off, basically. It is not thinking so much about how am I going to do this routine? How am I going to, uh, you know, what do I have to do to uh, uh, go for the second dessert? You know, you're just there, not even thinking about it, right? And so there is this place where there's a, the cue gets triggered, the reward is in the mind, and the brain just kind of is on very, very low level of critical thinking, really unconscious or automatic during that routine. And what happens in a pat when a habit occurs is that, um, and that's called chunking, where you're kind of gone in the in the middle of that that habit loop. And what happens is more and more as the habit uh, is developed, the cue gives you an anticipation of the reward. Just the cue itself is linked with the reward. So, for instance, you know, you, you see the cookie and even the seeing of it You've already, your brain is already lighting up with the reward. And when that's happened, you, you go on automatic pilot. So the key then is, uh, in between, there's this, this anticipation that happens when they get linked, that you know somehow, even without thinking, that it's going to feel good, and you're gone. So what what they, the research says in order to change a habit, if it's not a skillful one, is that you, you can still have the cue. You don't, ha- you don't change the cue. You don't change the, uh, the reward. You just change the behavior that gives you the reward. For instance... Um, Just trying to think of one that. Um, well, they give the example of uh, of an alcoholic. You know, AA, the 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 best habit changing paradigm that there's been. Millions of people changing one of the most difficult habits that there that there is, and it turns that out that this the. The cue for often for people drinking isn't so much um, that they're uh, that they want to get intoxicated, but there's this feeling of uh, wanting to connect or wanting to numb out or some stress that make somebody, even if they know that it's not good for them, even if they've been dry for years, there's a particular feeling that comes up that gets triggered by, say, seeing a, a drink, but that that begins to um, activate a, a feeling inside, and the reward is one of... Um, often feeling more at ease, feeling more connected, feeling uh, at home, uh, enjoying yourself. And so the substitute routine, often alcoholics are looking for connection in some way or a, a reduction of their anxiety 
<clears throat> and so the routine that is replaced is a meeting, is, a spon- is reaching out to your sponsor, is some kind of healthy reward that, or some kind of healthy behavior that gives you that feeling, that reward. Oh, what I really want is to feel connection. What I really want is for this anxiety to be reduced. What I really want is for this pain to, um, to somehow um, be, be addressed. And so if you can track your cue or track what, what it is that starts you feeling in a certain way that you want a relief for, from, or if it's a healthy habit, what will start you, what will deepen that feeling of, of oh, this, this reward feels so good, like that sense of accomplishment of, of you know, getting more weights or uh, you know, feeling like you've done your commitment, then, it's, then you start to bring more consciousness into that unconscious place. Um, so, um, let's see. What would I do? One thing that I've noticed, you know, I've been working uh, with this in the last since I picked up the book, actually, uh, what what intrigued me was that uh, a couple of uh, a month or a couple of months ago, a uh, month and a half ago or so, I made a, a um, an agreement with my joy buddy from from the the course uh, my in the joy course um, that I was going to sweat four times a week, okay, because I knew that if I sweated. I'd be moving my body enough so that I'd be active enough so that I'd feel more alive so that I'd sleep better at night so that there was like a whole domino thing if I could sweat four times a week. And um, I've pretty much been, been doing it. And I can see that my, my cue is, oh, I'm going to have to check in with my friend, uh, Daniel, and he's going to say, so did you? you know, and it's like, I'm going to feel so good when I say I did. That was the initial cue. But now it's starting to get this feeling, hey, I'm doing it. Yeah, this really feels good. So I've been kind of tracking that, and plus a, a, a few other, a few other um, uh, habits that I've been uh, just seeing about developing. And... Uh, it takes some presence, but at some point, if the reward is consistent enough, then it, you know, it becomes its own reward. So, a couple of other pieces, and then I want us to, to take a look within your, uh, w- with ourselves. Um, one is that um, it is an essential ingredient is intention. You have to decide that you're either going to deepen a habit or change it if it's a negative one, which is just the same out of the Buddha's teachings, that it all starts with intention, with the decision to um, do your part to make it happen. And then along with the decision there needs to be a belief that you can actually do it. Because if your mind says, I've done this so many times before, you know, who am I kidding? It it will not happen. You have to actually, and at some point maybe it's just to please somebody else to keep it going, until you see, oh, it's, this is possible this is actually possible to change or to deepen. And then there's a kind of confidence that, that, that comes. You start to think of yourself in, as somebody who can, um, who can change. And this is a very, there's a very famous saying from uh, 
Napoleon Hill, if you've ever heard of uh, Think, anybody know Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill? It's a great book, really great book. And his main instructions or teaching was uh, whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it will achieve. Very much like Buddha Dharma. You know, you have the intention, you have the conviction or faith, and then you practice, and karma, cause and effect, leads to uh, results. But you also have to uh, know how to deal with adversity. So when you blow it, or something that uh, interrupts your your plan or your you get stressed you don't feel like you've thrown in the towel and and you know what who was i thinking uh, what was i thinking they talk about starbucks that um starbucks became really successful um there was a wave of of success when uh, the guy who ran starbucks um he left for a few years and then the company was going down, but then he came back and he instituted um, all of these um, uh, teaching programs. You have to go through a, a fairly intense training when you're a barista at Starbucks about how to deal with all the various things that come your way and you become both an expert and an expert in service, in, in really wanting to please, and also how you deal with adversity when it comes, when somebody gets in your face and says, hey, I ordered a double latte and you gave me a, you know, a mocha or whatever, you know, and they just fly off the handle. And the, uh, so you have to come up with a, they have, they have a plan for dealing with adversity. Their, their plan with that one is, um, in dealing with criticism, they call it the latte plan. You first listen to the person, no matter what. You acknowledge. You take action. You thank them. And then you explain why it happened. And that's your formula. If you have a formula, if you have a structure for how you're going to deal with adversity when it, when it happens, then you have a lot more possibility of, uh, of addressing the, uh, the, the bumps in the road. There's another um, beautiful paradigm for changing a habit that, um, that I love, that I, I put in Awakening Joy before I got into this stuff. This guy Stanton Peel, who um, talked about the, um, the psychology of changing a habit, and it's very similar to this, he says there is uh, there's he had a five step plan first there's an accumulated disgust this is if you want to change something an accumulated disgust over time you know and sometimes that accumulation can take years or decades you know but sometimes it can be a lot shorter when you really get tuned into what's happening and the accumulated disgust leads to a moment of truth where you are really, you've hit the point where you know you're going to change. That mo- maybe it's the bottom of the barrel. Maybe uh, you know, you've seen your whole life go down the tubes. Or maybe it's, oh my God, I don't want to go this way anymore. And probably a lot of people come to Dharma practice that way, when they hit that moment of truth. At that point, you can be motivated to get a plan that will change your routine and habit pattern. And in his paradigm, the more you do it, the more you start to shift your identity of who you are instead of oh, I'm somebody who've, who always blows it. I'm somebody who's learning how to do it a new way. And then finally, I'm somebody who is, be, who is more and more becoming proficient at this new way. And then the fifth step he has, which is um, dealing with relapses. That when you do have a relapse, 
that you don't feel like you failed, but you have some kind of support system or some way that you have of, of working with, um, uh, with falling off the wagon. So with that in mind, I, I want to have us look at um, together uh, practice, and we're going to do a, a little bit of interactive stuff here too, on uh, either strengthening a habit or changing a habit. So with, uh, with this one, I'd like you to just reflect in your life right now Pick something that's fairly doable. Don't have to, you know, make it, you know, something life-altering that you've wanted to change for the last fifty years and have never been able to. Uh, you might start with a doable uh, kind of practice, because as the as he points out in uh, the the Power of Habit book, a little bit you're just like learning willpower. You're learning the, the, the development of willpower. And the more you can do that and have it work for you, then you can go to bigger things. So you might just envision some routine that you either want to strengthen or that you want to strengthen into a deeper habit if it's not quite there yet, or some behavior that you'd like to shift that's, uh, that maybe you could just take on as an experiment. And the, the first step in the four steps in the, this Power of Habit book is to identify the routine. Okay, And now, as we're doing this part just the behavior that you want to change or strengthen. And first ask, what's the cue that initiates this routine? If it's a positive one, perhaps it's um, seeing your zafu as you pass it in in your house. Or uh, maybe... um, you know, putting it in your calendar that you're going to that you're working out each each uh, each day at such and such a time, or if it's one that you want to change, what's the cue that initiates that behavior? And this might take some uh, a little while to get more and more subtle to um, to see what triggers it. And along with identifying the, the, the cue, what's the reward? What's the, what's the payoff? If it's an unskillful habit, just to really be honest, what's the subtle payoff that has kept you on that loop. Be very honest with yourself. So then the second step he suggests is to experiment with rewards. Um, And that really is pointing to finding, just investigating, don't put pressure on yourself to make a real change, but just to investigate how you feel, what what is the, the thing that is driving you in the routine. And he suggests this is how you can experiment with, with rewards. Um, that you 
you suppose you have a different routine that you want to replace the unskillful habit with, okay? To just see if you try it another way, after each activity, mm, to jot down on paper three things that come to your mind after you do the activity. It, it, can just, it can be anything. It can be how you're feeling. It can be what thoughts come to mind. Actually, this is when you're doing, when you're actually in the middle of your habit, before you're, you're finding a, a new way to do it, okay? Just the, as I'm, I'm looking through the notes again. So just the way when you find you're, you're, you're stuck in something, to just experiment and look and see what happens when you do that activity, jot down on paper first three things that come to mind just as you're, as you're um, finishing the activity. And then 15 minutes later, mm, no, I am, forgive me, erase that, go back again, okay? Because this is actually part two of actually getting getting another another routine okay to figure out which cravings are driving particular habits it's useful to experiment with different rewards don't feel any pressure to make a real change just think of yourself as a scientist in the data collection stage so when you feel the urge for instance to go to the cafeteria and buy a cookie Adjust your routine so it delivers a different reward. For instance, instead of walking to the cafeteria, go outside, walk around the block, then go back to your desk without eating anything. Or the next day, go to the cafeteria and buy a donut or a candy bar and eat it at your desk. Hmm. Now, this is, there's a point to this. This is what, talking, this guy he was talking about how he, w- he kept on buying a cookie every day. <clears throat> the next day, go buy an apple and eat it while chatting with your friends. Or you might go uh, try a cup of coffee. So he's saying, try different activities than buying the, the cookie or whatever it is that you're doing. And then he says, after each activity... Jot down on a piece of paper the first three things that come to mind when you get back to your desk. And you might feel relaxed, or you might feel not hungry, or you might notice something that you hadn't noticed, whatever. And then 15 minutes later, see if you still feel the urge for the cookie or for what it was that you... Uh, that you got caught in. So this is both awareness in the moment and it helps you to uh, recall what what you were thinking. And as you're trying these different ways of, of behaving, the third step is to isolate. This helps you isolate the cue. And he says that one of usually five things are, have, have to do with the cues. Either it's a particular time of day or a kind of emotional state or you're in a particular place that triggers that cue or you're around particular people or there's something that happens that immediately precedes the action, like somebody being, uh, being sharp with you or uh, having an interaction that, uh, that sets you off. And then he says, if you can isolate the cue and see what 
triggers you off, then that can help you devise a plan. Like he makes the, the, um, the, he gives the example, he saw that every day around 3.30, he would want a cookie. And that that was the cue. It was the time of day. And he realized that what he wanted was just some distraction, just to get up. And, and instead of going for the cookie, he went to, uh, over to a co-worker's desk and chatted for 15 minutes. And he, he did a lot of isolating in this. Well, was it that he was hungry for a sugar hit? Or was it that he was uh, uh, wanting to uh, get some exercise? Or it was that he was just wanting to do something different. So when he isolated, oh, 3.30, and then he would go over and speak to somebody. It wasn't that he was even hungry then he started to um, change the habit. And he had a plan. So getting back to your situation, okay, so think of the whatever the habit is, the behavior. And identify the cue. And you might experiment with a different reward. And this is all just as an investigation. So you might learn something these next few days about what you're doing. And feel really good about each time you do it differently. That's a big piece. Because if you can feel, that becomes its own reward. Oh, I'm learning it a new way. Instead of, oh, I blew it again. Oh, this feels good. And you build on your successes. Okay, so now just, uh, you can open your eyes if if you'd like. And if you feel like it, Turn to somebody uh, near you and just spend a, a few minutes, maybe sharing um, sharing what your uh, what your practice might be, and you can also practice, you know, around meditation practice. That can be a, a healthy habit to strengthen. But just share for uh, for a few minutes with somebody, um, just uh, what you might play around with in your practice. And it can be a th- it can be three people if there's uh, uh, if there's not two. Okay, you can uh, thank your partner and come on back. So let's let's come on back. Hmm. One thing uh, one thing you can do, especially if you found yourself engaged with, with somebody, I would really encourage you uh, to maybe exchange email or phone. And uh, just check in once during the week. Um, Because there's something about accountability that's really powerful. Even if it's just to say, you know, well, this is what I'm finding out. This is not a pass-fail test, remember. It's just, oh, this is what I'm I'm noticing around it. Because it's, it's fascinating. Since I've been reading this book, I've just been noticing habits all all over, and we're, we're, we're operating on automatic pilot, unfortunately, about no, you know, 90% of the time. There's very little time that's actual critical thinking that we're, we're doing. <laughs> and it's just, it's fascinating, really, to, to, uh, to just see. And then there's all of these things that you can change if you bring some consciousness to it. So um, 
it was very lively conversation here. It was great, and I, I wish I would have uh, given you more time to to do that part. But s- think about just staying connected and checking in once between now and the next week, if there if it felt like it was a nice connection there. Um, one one last comment. What he says is that uh, there are these keystone habits that if one thing changes, the whole system changes. And that's one reason why, for instance, meditation practice is so powerful. It doesn't even matter you know, what's going on in your meditation. It's like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm bringing some kind of discipline or um, connection to the Dharma into my life. And that starts to have a domino effect on many, many other parts of your life. And whether it's meditation practice or running or something that that you really see a shift in, it can be a whole, uh, a major transformation, little by little. So we'll just uh, dedicate the um, merit of the evening. May our coming here together be of benefit to ourselves, everyone in our life, and to all beings everywhere. May all beings see through their unskillful habits, learn skillful habits, and be free. And may our coming here be for the benefit of all. Okay. Good luck. Have fun. That's the thing. Have fun. Make it like a game. Make it like an experiment.